Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. This is the 50th episode of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast, so it's sort of a milestone uh, today recording this, and I'm excited to have a friend on the line that I've known for probably about three or three years or so now, um, and I initially met him through a mutual friend, and he does some really interesting work in, uh, in, in the brain health arena, and, and he really works with a lot of different uh, health technologies and health practices. Uh, just a really dynamic person that has a lot of value and uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about, so I decided, you know, why not have him on the podcast? Uh, so his name is David McCuller, and after a series of health-related events, David began a journey in troubleshooting his health through health-based technologies. He first learned about brain optimization, neurofeedback, and his quest to overcome his own traumas. David experienced life-transforming effects within a few short sessions. He triumphed over debilitating anxiety, depression, and a back injury. As a businessman, Mr. McCuller is most recognized for co-founding the Michigan-based NeuroFitness Center in 2007, a cutting-edge regional network of brain fitness centers. These centers offer clients life-changing brain-body wellness tools. Mr. McCuller is also an accomplished presenter, team leader, and trainer who has had previous experience in DSL, technical support, and college admissions. Um, and I'm not too familiar. What is David, what is DSL? <laughs> Digital subscription line. Oh, okay. That's your first, uh, that's your first internet. I mean, not your first internet, your first high-speed internet. Oh, really? Around 2001, I actually was a, uh, was a tech support uh, field agent. I would go around Michigan and install these what's called D-slams in what the central offices throughout Michigan. So um, just technology-based, you know, high-speed internet, and that's when it was really just taking off, and that's when you use the term DSL versus high-speed internet, right? Right. Yeah, I actually either remember either that. used to do used to say DSL or cable modem. Now it's just high speed internet. You really don't even dif- differentiate the two of them. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So you have a little bit of a you kind of have a tech technology technical uh, background, and that's kind of I'm assuming what led you somewhat to uh, kind of taking the technology approach to health and looking for the the latest and greatest technology. Um, tell me, tell me in the audience, how did you initially get into the alternative sort of holistic side of, of treating uh, anything from anxiety, depression, and any, any other related traumas as opposed to the traditional route? Well, I mean, it was all based on my own need, really. Um, but it really began when I was just, I've just always been in- interested in, you know, technology, overall in the whole uh, grand scope of things. But when I saw technology that was supposed to help you, you know, overcome certain limits per se, um, that really uh, took my attention. So I started using uh, binaural beats. First, it actually was Jose Silva's program. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, the Alpha Alpha Mind uh, series and that was all based on that's when I started really learning about brain waves and they spoke highly about the alpha frequency and then I, I ventured off into uh, binaural beats with a program called uh, Holosync and then that was about basically meditating at the push of a button listening to a specific frequency mainly theta frequency that helps you get into a meditative state without effort and so I use I started using those technologies. Those those were the first really brain based technologies I started using, um, but they were all CD based. Um, so I, I started using that just in my quest to become better. Uh, it it really wasn't a, about a health issue at that point in time. But then I started really having some issues with anxiety. Well, if I backtrack, I would say I probably always had issues with anxiety. I just was unaware of it. Um, so when it became anxiety and then panic attacks, that's when I really started to search even harder for different things that were out there. And um, that's kind of how I fell into it, just really on my own need. And most people you find in the industry, that's how they come into this, right? Trying to heal themselves or heal a family, family member, something like that. Right. Yeah, for sure. So how so a little bit on the on the brainwave frequencies I've I've used Holosync myself before and it is interesting and cool what how you can 
kind of alter your brainwave states. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? What are the different, like you mentioned, theta and alpha? What are the different brainwave states, and what does that mean to someone who doesn't really understand that fully? Well, your brain emits a frequency. Uh, each lobe of your brain emits a wide band of frequencies, like six t different bands. And so each frequency has a uh, specific task, per se. So if you have delta frequencies, or that's a slower-moving frequency. So when you fall asleep and you go into the, uh, the dream state, your frequency is going to slow down drastically, all right? Um, but you, all the other frequencies are still active. They're just not activated um, higher than that one specific frequency. So you go from delta, which is more the dream state, and to theta, which is more of that meditative uh, state. Alpha is more creativity. And then you start to go up to like low beta, beta, which are more wakeful states and processing, uh, so beta is a faster moving frequency right now because we're engaged in this conversation. We're in uh, we're using more beta frequencies. Doesn't mean again the other frequencies aren't there. It's just that it's, it becomes more dominant. It's a gear. Think of it as a gear on a car. So right now we're shifted into a higher gear to begin to process this information and take in um, and to understand each other. Um, so each. Each frequency has a different task. And the thing about Holosync was, you know, it, it would basically put a frequency in one ear and another frequency in another ear, which would basically kind of make out the frequencies that go down to more of a theta state. So when you listen to it, your brain would what we call uh, entrain to that specific frequency. So you would literally, your brain would shut down to more of a theta frequency. But the interesting thing about uh, any binaural beat program is that, you know, how do you know that your brain has enough, it doesn't, it already has enough data frequencies and specific lobes. So lobes. So if you're flooding your brain with data frequencies, it's for some people it's going to be helpful. For some people it's not going to be helpful. And for some people it's not going to do anything. Uh, and so that's a one size fits uh, approach to um, really training the brain. Right. So a few few questions I have on that first is, so we're using all frequencies at any given time. Right. But we're just using more of one based on what state right. our brain is in. Right. They, you know, that, so that's when I got into alpha, uh, Jose Silva, alpha mind. I'm thinking alpha frequency and I'm thinking my whole brain. I'm not thinking in the sense of uh, different bandwidths. I'm just thinking about one frequency, which is alpha. And so that was my understanding. But that's totally uh, like oversimplified <laughs> version of how uh, the brain works. So when you're in a meditative state, it's not like it's just it's theta alone and nothing else. Mm -hmm. it's like those frequencies still exist. They just they just are uh, minimal. They shut down to a degree. Right. Under the surface. So mm -hmm. when you mentioned Holosync, for example, you said one frequency goes in one ear, one frequency goes in the other. Is that... Is is one frequency alpha and one frequency uh, theta, or is is that? Uh, no, they use a specific. Um, it, it's not alpha or theta. It just use basically is using a mathematical mathematical approach to basically making out what's called the um, the theta range, which is anywhere between uh, say about four to seven hertz. Okay. So that's how it works. I mean, you have to look at the math and how they basically are making these two frequencies that equal out that that frequency bandwidth to for you to entrain with. Ah, uh, okay. So so having the brain hear both of those right meets in the middle essentially is what right. you're saying. Exactly. Okay. And that's the, is that the so that's a that's a theory. Is that do you do you find that to be uh, truthful or is that is that better than nothing or what do you think? I mean, it obviously has helped a lot of people, you know, um, they've, they've, you know, put out a lot of CDs and if you go on the internet, you don't find too much information that's like, uh, you know, uh, critiquing it or saying it's not helpful. So I think it is beneficial. Um, it's just how beneficial is it? Right. It's probably more beneficial to some than it is others. I mean, for me, when I used it, I, I felt like it was you know, I definitely felt like I was more relaxed when I listened to it. Right. You know, I, I used to be in 
used to work in a sales position and I used to sometimes on lunch because sales was highly stressful. And sometimes my lunch, I used to go and sit in my car and uh, listen to, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of it right. to kind of calm me down to go back in. So, again, I think it, I think it's beneficial. It's just, you know, it's kind of hit or miss, though, with, with, a lot, with a lot of people. Right. And it's, that, not, it's, it's not as targeted. It's not as specific. Again, we're oversimplifying it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like you, I, you can wear a big suit. You can go and get a suit from anywhere and like, wow, you got a suit on, <laughs> you know, but you go get a tailor made suit. It's like, wow, you got a nice suit on. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. So so with that specifically too, Holosync is that puts you in a theta brainwave state, which is, is, a, is a relaxed state. So like mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, I want to touch on that a bit. Uh, in a little bit, but first, the question I have for you is: you know, these different brainwave states, like you said, we 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 have all of them running at one time. One may may just be more active uh, than the others. So, uh, is is an imbalance in the inactivity or overactivity of brainwave states what causes anxiety, depression, and different uh, mental kind of uh, traumatic uh, emotional issues? Well, based based on my own understanding and my own experience and, and working with, I've probably seen about a thousand people in um, in the last seven years and looking at brain maps is that is all trauma based. It's all stress and trauma based, you know. So, um, and and I learned that uh, working with Brain State Technologies out in Arizona, that was a that was a technology I was using at that time, and that's when I met Lee Gerdes, and that's when I met uh, David Berselli. And David Berselli is uh, basically a trauma expert. And so through, you know, kind of backtracking and seeing how things affected me, that's when I ended looking at my own brain map, seeing, wow, wow, you know, I'm stuck in this pattern, what we call a freeze response. So that's a defense mechanism to the environment. So it's fight or, fight or flight response. So when you have these type of responses based on a traumatic event, the brain can become stuck or locked in that pattern, trying to protect, even though the event is, is past. So think of a soldier who comes back from war. You know, they were in a very um, volatile type of environment. So the brain needed to go into fight or flight to protect it, protect the human being of, OK, when, where is the threat? So you have to really be on guard at all times or you can literally lose your life. But when they come back to the States and they know that they consciously know that they're safe in America, right? Mm-hmm. Brain doesn't care about that. Brain doesn't care that you came back to America. The brain says, no, there was a threat and we're going to stay hyper aroused and keep you ready for future threat. Mm-hmm. So now in that hyper arousal, now you have anxiety. Now you're having panic attacks. Now you're having issues where you can't sit with your back to the door. So you're, um, you know, highly overactivated and stimulated. So now anytime someone says something to you that can be a trigger, maybe you listen to some Arabic music in a restaurant. That's a trigger. So now you go into this more, again, ramped up mode of hypervigilance. And that may have, might have been effective in Iraq, but it's not effective here. So right. this is what we call post-traumatic stress, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the thing is, we look at that soldier and we say, oh, that soldier was in war, so he has post-traumatic stress. But really, we are all suffering from miniature forms of post-traumatic stress. Whether the kid took your bike when you were young, whether your, your, you know, your dad said regular demeaning remarks to you as a kid, whatever the case, trauma is not what we think of as just a car accident or some type of molestation. Trauma is anything that's overwhelming to our nervous system. So that bully at school is very traumatic or that hospital visit at a young age is very traumatic and the brain is going to protect itself as if it's at war. So we're going into these stress and trauma states too, like never before. So stress and uh, is a stress response is really about survival. You know, think about there's a saber toothed tiger coming at you and you're you're this uh, Neanderthal and you're trying to, you know, protect yourself from this event. That's an actual danger, right? Physical danger. 
no, we're going in a fight or flight because, oh, I got a flat tire. Oh, my girlfriend left me. Oh, look at these bills. You know, we're going to fight or flight off the off these things that are perceived danger or threat versus real life. Hey, you know, there's a there's a lion. The lion is coming at you. That's physical, real life danger. Uh, but now, again, we're going into these stress and trauma patterns based on perceived threat. You know, someone said something to you on the Internet. Somebody bullied you. Somebody um, cut you off, you know, while driving. These your brain is still reacting to these situations like there is a lion coming at you. And so if you take a look and, and take a look at this society, the CDC states that 70 to 90 percent of doctors visits are due to stress related illnesses. That's documented information from the CDC. So if that's the issue, why aren't we dealing with stress and trauma? That's a great question. (laughs) It seems not to, it doesn't, it seems like it's not really talked about or mentioned or, um, I mean, there's not even, not that I, you know, endorse pharmaceutical drugs, but it doesn't even seem like there's a lot of drugs for it either. Interestingly enough. Well, and I may be wrong. Well, you know, we have this conversation, these conversations often. And uh, when I first started having panic attacks in 2001, really, I started having anxiety. That's when everything like my stomach started shutting down. I really I started to vomit. That's how bad it was. And I didn't know what was happening to me because I'm 21 years old. I have no clue. (laughs) You know, when, when people use the word stress. You know, my mom tells me, David, you're stressed. I'm not stressed. And I was living in Miami at that time. I'm, I'm not stressed. You see these palm trees out here? <laughs> like, there's no way in the world. Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm right. stressed. But no, I was highly stressed. I was working a job I couldn't stand. It was the most stressful type of environment that I've ever been in. And this was right after 9-11. So everything was heightened, too, in the, in the world or in the country. And that this, this, this company I work for... They had security guards who had guns. They had metal detectors. You literally had to go through a like a um, a pat down in a <laughs> uh, airport style security before going to work and coming out of it. Wow, this is in two thousand one, right? And so you know you got the security guards with the metal wands and. Just going into an environment knowing you have to even go through that whole situation is already heightened in your brain that you don't even know. Right. So I was working that type of job and it just became so uh, stressful. I I mean, literally, I hated it. So a lot of things became what we call uh, somatized or psychosomatic, where you're basically your, your mind or your emotions start to have an effect on your physical health. And again, I knew nothing about stress. I just knew the word. So now I like to tell people, don't don't use the word stress. Use the word stress response. So now that makes it more. It's the response to what you believe or perceive is happening to you. Mm-hmm. Not just this word like. You know, the word stress is coming at you with a knife. It's stress. It's some outside event. No, it's what's happening on the inside of you based on what you think is happening to you. So at that time, I, again, I had no clue about it, about how that worked. And, um, you know, I began to break down. And, I, and I, I, I started to talk about this because at that time I went to the doctor. And this is the only time I went to the doctor and, you know, they did these tests on, you know, uh, gastro type of tests because I have issues with my stomach. And then they prescribed me with some medication. And in my 21-year-old mind, I'm thinking that the medication is medicine. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's medicine. I'm thinking it is going to heal me. Right. Not it's just going to mask these symptoms and give me relief. I literally believe that, well, this medication is medicine. And so I only took it for a couple of weeks and I was better and I stopped taking it. 
because that's how I thought about it. Mm-hmm. But we know that's not true. Now, now, now we know that's not true, right? Mm-hmm. We know that pharmaceutical drugs is not med- medicine in the terms of you take it, it's going to heal the issue, and then you stop taking it. And then you get to just walk away. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> work like that, right? No, it's, it's, it's just going to mask those symptoms. Right. So they're they're, they're and, I, and I went through that whole spiel just to say when you talked about you know there's drugs out there that help with anxiety or stress, yeah, well they are that that help with the symptoms of it. Right. But then you're stuck on it. You're you're on the uh, you're on the network marketing auto ship. Mm-hmm. Every month you're getting a batch of this because you know that's how they make money, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, your listeners are educated enough, I know, to know that. Right. So for you, I mean, at that point in your life, that was, that was uh, you know, for you, you thought it would be a solution. Uh, at what point did you kind of hit a dead end in the road and think, all right, I need to do something different? And then how did you stumble upon uh, a pump brainwave training? Um, man, I was, I was vomiting a lot. And I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, at that point, I just literally, I remember walking outside of my uh, job. I was working at the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale. And I just, my body was just saying, hey, we're done. You know, um, so I called back home to, you know, my parents and said, look, I don't know what's going on with me. I think I'm having like some type of quarter life crisis or something. Huh. Because that's how, I mean, that's how I, I, again, I was unaware. Right. So I thought, man, I'm having some type of quarter life crisis. I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know what a nervous breakdown was, but I felt like this, if, if there is such a thing, this is what I'm having. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and it was a central nervous system breakdown, right? So I was having a nervous system breakdown. Um and so I just I just moved back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved all the way from beautiful Miami to back to cold Michigan. But I felt like that was going to help me if I just been, you know, maybe I need to be around my family. Maybe that was going to be the solution. Wrong. That did not help. If anything, I became worse. Because, too, now I didn't have to go anywhere because I wasn't working at the time. I just kind of came home to just try to relax and try to get myself back together. And I was uh, I was already into, uh, again, just alternative type of thought processes. Um, and I remember this website called Conscious Media Network. It's created by uh, Scott and Regina, Regina Meredith. And... They had all these interviews with all these people. Basically, it was like the Joe Rogan show before Joe Rogan mm-hmm. had all these interviews with all these people, with all these different thought processes that you you never really heard before. Well, I didn't hear it before. And so I saw uh, Lee Gertis, who was the owner of uh, Brain State on there at that time, and he started talking about his company and everything. And And it really resonated with me because I had already been using the Holosync and Alpha Brain, I said, that makes sense. They are looking at the brain more real time and training different lobes of the brain versus just this one CD. Mm-hmm. So I figured if Holosync was, you know, as powerful as I felt it was at that time for me, then a more targeted approach had to be even better. And dealing with what I was dealing with, I kind of really just pushed it to the side for a moment because it was in Arizona. That was the closest place to go to. And I'm like, I don't have money to go out to Arizona. I just moved, lost my job, left my job, moved back home. But, it, and you know, I got to the point again where, you know, it was so bad that, you know, my dad was asking me, you know, what are we going to do? And my mom is a, uh, a social worker. Uh, she's a licensed therapist. And so she... You know, she knew about the whole therapy route and, you know, may, maybe made a suggestion about that. But I said, no. And it's not that I wasn't I was against therapy. I just I felt like there's something going on in my brain that I caused and I can undo it. I told my dad that exact thing. 
Somehow I did this and somehow I'm going to undo it. And little do I know that, you know, maybe a month later, me and my dad, we decided to take that trip out to Arizona. And so working with those guys and, and, and kind of getting an idea how my brain was operating um, and then doing, I did about three sessions in one day, there was a drastic decrease in my anxiety. Within one day? Just one day. Wow. So did At you? First, my first session, I'm thinking this is just probably just placebo or something because I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm it, we're it's the winter and we're in Arizona and the sun's out. You know, I'm getting right. some, some sun. By yeah. the second session, it was like a little bit okay. By the third session, I mean I was experiencing the relaxation that I haven't experienced in probably ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow! If I can just take this with me, then I'm I'll be great. Right. And so, you know, working with them and seeing how many other people were benefiting from the technology, uh, we decided that we wanted to bring that back to Michigan. So I was the first affiliate here with BrainStake Technologies in 2007. It was nobody all the way down to, you know, closest one was like North Carolina. Hmm. And... And so that's how I really started to get more into different um, modalities as well. Because even though that reduced that's the, you know, the issues I was having, I still was having some issues. It just gave me the ability, though, to really manage everything and kind of get back into my life. Mm-hmm. Before I became very reclusive, I mean, I barely go out the house. I wasn't even shaving. wasn't even going to get a haircut. You know, I was like depressed. You know, because you couldn't do the things you used to do. And after that, I was back to kind of doing the things I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. so let's talk a bit about uh, Brainwave. And there's a few names for it, right? Can you just share the different names for it so people that are listening can, under- can understand that it's the same technology, basically? Well, it's different. It's different technologies out there. Okay. And they're all doing very similar things. So it's the difference between DSL and a cable modem like we were talking about earlier, right? High-speed internet is high-speed internet, though, whether it's uh, LTG or what is it, LTE on your phone or 4G, you know, it's all mm-hmm. high-speed type of service. So when we look into, you know, brain technologies, neurofeedback has been around for over, you know, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so brain state technologies is just brainwave optimization really with all intents and purposes is neurofeedback. This is a more advanced version of that, correct? Or more in depth at least? Yeah. Um, because it, it wasn't about training, you know, most neurofeedback services is about trying to have the person train their brain. Okay. Versus training the brain. All right. So, or rebalancing the brain. So, for instance, if you take a um, if you take a, uh, a a blood pressure monitor and you monitor your blood pressure, right? You can see, oh, my blood pressure is high. So you can either sit there and try to really focus and you know do some meditation or something to bring your blood pressure down. You're trying to physically trying to change your 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 system. Mm-hmm. through observation right mm-hmm. that's that's kind of tough because it takes a lot of willpower to get that done mm-hmm. but if there was a way to show your biological system that hey your blood pressure is high do you really want it to be that high and the system says no i don't and calms down that's more effective than the other one right it's more sustainable too because you don't have to continuously practice the, right. the methodology to, to keep that in, in right. check. One, one is more uh, conscious-based and the other is more autonomic nervous system, unconscious-based training. Mm-hmm. So that's, not, yeah. that was more brain state. Um, but, you know, now I use, I use a different technology. I actually found a technology that was even more uh, sophisticated than that one. And it gave my clients 
um, better benefits and uh, basically less expensive. Mm-hmm. And so that technology was 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 much more sophisticated in, in different ways too. Is really more um, mirroring the brain to itself. So if you think about working out, when you work out, you want to be in the front of a mirror because you want to be able to observe how you're performing the the task, right? Whether it's bicep curls or, or whatever. And so you can see, oh, I'm I'm losing I'm losing form. And so what it, what happens? You bring your form back because you were able to mirror it. So this technology mirrors the brain when it begins to go off course in real time, and the brain auto calibrates itself back into more of a state of balance. So again, and this this technology is called Neurooptimal by uh, Zengar. And so that those Zengar and Brainstate have both been around for quite some time, but Zengar is a, has been around for probably about mm, I'm gonna say close to 15, 20 years, something like that. Uh, I know Val Brown has been in, in actual uh, neurofeedback for over 30 years. He's the creator of uh, Zengar. Mm-hmm. So there, there's different you know systems out there. You know you can get online and look up a lot of neurofeedback systems and do some things at home at home it's just about what's the the most effective and these are the two most effective that i've seen is that the uh the brain state and the the zengar so those are the two that i really will recommend anyone doing if you're going to do that mm-hmm. and, I, and then i can say that too based on other clients who work with things like lens uh neurofeedback or um there's a few other that I had clients come from and they've done maybe 40, 50 sessions and they they didn't really benefit as much as they, they thought they should have. And then you do a few sessions with us and it's like, wow, there's a world of difference. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've seen over a thousand people, so I'm sure, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that has some, you have some, some data that has proven that to be so. Um, so that, that's really interesting. And the brain mirroring, that, that so it's, it's essentially leading the brain back into its most balanced form is that's that's kind of the best way to describe it is just leading it to where it should be right so if you again you got a car going down the road right and it has a sophisticated system to let you know when you're drifting into the wrong lane you have these cars that's coming out here that's like that right mm-hmm. so that gives you the information that now it's not going to force you back into the to the right lane because then you don't want to force and that's more entrainment and even brain state more was kind of you know, after looking at it for a while, it was kind of a, uh, you know, force or entrainment trying to push the brain a certain way. We don't want to push the brain, even though that's it, it can be effective. You know, don't get me wrong. It can be effective and I've seen great results with it. But you want something that's even more natural, more gentle, where it's just it's just making a suggestion. Like I can tell you, hey, Dave, you got, you know, you, you, you got some something on your face and, and point to you. But it's up to you to ultimately to remove that. Right. You know, I can show you all I all I want, but until you decide to make that change, then you know, nothing will change. But the observation, most people when you do that, what what person have you seen where you said you have something right here and they didn't do anything about it? Right. <laughs> oh no, I just want that mustard to stay on my face. Right. <laughs> No, we we want to be optimized. Right. We have a general desire to be optimal. Definitely. So when you show the brain, hey, brain, you're going out of balance. Do you want to do that? The brain is like, oh no, I don't want to do that. Let me let me get back into to the right lane. Mm-hmm. So it's training the brain in a in a more free flowing way. And and does neuroplasticity play a role in 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 this in these technologies at all? Well, that's what it is, right? Is mm-hmm. you know, the brain has always had the ability to change. You know, it's always been fluid. It's always had the ability to grow. You know, you know, in that Newtonian model, though, we thought that it was once it was hardwired that hey, you're you're basically screwed with whatever you got. You know, but the brain can rewire itself based on really just changing um, environment mm-hmm. and consistency consistency to fire new patterns so if you are you're in a stressful environment right so i say that war right you've been at war for four years what do you think your brain is going to be basically you know hardwired to do at that point 
survive. So you take it in the environment, you took, put it in a more uh, relaxed environment. The issue is that it'll, it'll calm down, but because it's so overdriven that it needs some help to find you know, more of a, a, a better baseline. But mm-hmm. so that you keep doing it, you keep showing that brain that better baseline, then all of a sudden, well, I'm not anxious. Oh, I'm sleeping better. Oh, I'm not hypervigilant. And most people, when they come to me, they look at it like this miraculous thing. And I think in the beginning, when I first thought of it, I thought of it as miraculous. But the more you do that work and the more you have a better understanding, you use like this, this is basically just common sense. Mm-hmm. So, so brainwave training is essentially the, the body's or the brain's ability to not only balance the different brainwave states, so using them uh, more effectively at the times they are necessary, but then also balancing, does it help to balance the activity or inactivity of those, of those states as well? So for example, like you said, someone that has trauma from war they're overactive in one brainwave state and they are underactive in another brainwave state, it balances those, I guess, the energy levels of, of those right. out while balancing the, the whole transition. Is, is, is that kind of what happens? Exactly. It's giving you more okay. um, of balance, but it's also giving you more resiliency. Mm-hmm. You're becoming more resilient now to stress. Okay. So now the things that used to stress you, they still activate you, but they don't activate you to the point where you're spilled over because one, your baseline has changed. So if you have a bucket of water and it's almost to the brim and you have a you have a stressor that comes and it's like, you know, pouring more water into that bucket. How much do you have before you spill over? You don't have much room to work with mm-hmm. before you spill over. So what, what the brain training is, does is it pours that that bucket out for you, get it down to maybe you know, even less than a half. Now when a stressor comes, it pours into that bucket. Oh, now you're at half, but you're not spilling over. Mm-hmm. Now you're still, you, the brain training doesn't take away your brain's ability to defend itself because fight or flight and freeze response are highly necessary in uh, defense. But the problem is being stuck mm-hmm. and being and activating and over-activating and un- or under-activating. A lot of people who are underactivated, that's a big issue as well. You know, the freeze response is when you have a sense of helplessness, you can do nothing about the event. So because fight or flight is not an option. So if you're a kid and your limbs aren't developed to run, obviously the brain is not going to choose fight or flight as a defense mechanism. It's going to choose freeze response. So it begins to numb you out. You begin to disassociate. You ever seen a kid where they seem very emotionless? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's freeze response, and or even an adult too, right? I mean, it's, oh, a lot of adults. I, right. I, after doing this for so long, I can look at a person and have a conversation with them and tell them what stress response they they are in. Right. If they're in any, but for the most part, I can kind of gauge which one they go in when right. there is a stressor. Typically, when there's a verbal confrontation, you know, I can see a person, you're probably more freeze response where you want to say something to that person. You really want to say something, but you, for whatever reason, you feel stuck, you feel blocked, you feel like you're running in the mud, like everything just slowed down. So when that person walks away, you walk away and say, man, I should have said this and that, but you couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't react. But then you have that person where you say something and they're, oh, they're, <laughs> they're like verbally vomiting over you and attacking you because they're in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So it's important for people not to become identify identify with their um their stress response meaning don't don't confuse your personality with your stress response. Saying, well, that person's just high strung. That's their personality. That's not a personality trait. That's a defense mechanism. So the more you do things like brain training or floating, you begin to pull back those layers of what you think you are. That's not who you are. Mm -hmm. That's just, again, a response to an environment. 
That was, yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk a bit more about, and I want to just kind of go back to a point you made earlier. You mentioned how trauma and, and stressors that, that uh, kind of invoke that brainwave state initially is what caused you to be stuck in fight or flight or in, in freeze response. So obviously emotional trauma, uh, st very stressful events, uh, anything that kind of scarred the mind-body uh, has its long-term effects on the brain and brain health and, and the brain working properly and transitioning. Uh, and obviously, you know, this affects so many aspects of life. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen people who have had sleep issues that no longer do or, you know, like anxiety that can now relax or, um, you know, they had too much energy or too little energy or whatever it was, they just found more balance, which really I see health and, and wellness is really the, the best balance you can achieve is, is kind of the ultimate health and wellness because when you have the best balance, you can, you know, nothing can knock you over. You can continue to move forward, but it's, you can, you know, it's just, the, it's, this seems like the best way. So uh, can you talk a little bit about, well, the first question I have for you is, is these stressful, traumatic, emotionally scarring experiences, is there, you know, I talk a lot on, on this podcast about emotional pain and releasing those types of things. Are there any practices or exercises that you would recommend for that? And do you pair those exercises with brain training in order to increase effectiveness in overall healing and recovery for the patient? Right. Well, again, when I first went out to Brain State in 2007, I met David Berselli. And David Berselli is a... Uh, Dr. David Berselli is a trauma expert, and he also taught a method or teaches a method called trauma release exercises. So when I went out there in 2007, I did not only brain state, um, I did trauma release. And so trauma release is a way that begins to discharge the residual energy that's used during a, a traumatic or stressful event. The body has to dissipate that energy or it becomes trapped in the body. So, for instance, when you see animals in the wild, you see a gazelle getting chased by a lion. Maybe the gazelle gets away. The gazelle will go and, and basically shake and tremor, discharging that energy it used to escape. This is why you don't have, that's why you have, you know, non-domesticated animals don't have post-traumatic stress. So we as a human species have that encoding, encoded into us to begin to release as well. And it's interesting, you see it in different cultures where you see a shaman may do something, oh, now they hit the ground, they're shaking. Or you see it in churches or, you know, oh, they get, you know, they cast a demon out of them or, you know, right. it was this shaking mechanism. Tremor, really, yeah, yeah. A tremor response. And even if you talk to a massage therapist or any body worker, you, you know, the, the person may be laying on the table and they may be tremoring or they may be crying, you know, but these are all regulating methods. Right. So using, yes, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I've used 20 different healing modalities in the last seven years just on myself. Um, so I like to pair things that are going to hit different levels mm -hmm. of the being and not just focus on one. So if I'm going to do brain training, that's the, that neurological-based training is going to have a response on the psyche, it's going to have a response on uh, the physiological structure, and it's going to also have a response on the spiritual, right? But mainly since it's coming from the top, it's going to be more based on, you know, more kind of brain, body, and some relief psychologically. But you have different traumas. You have different types of traumas. You have hard traumas and you have soft traumas. So your hard traumas is a car accident, right? It's a one and done type of event. Or me tearing my Achilles like I did, you know, just a trauma to the body. It's a one and done type of event. So it's, it's more easy to balance that out versus someone who lived in a regular an environment, consistent environment that had regular demeaning remarks where you're nothing, you're never going to amount to anything. Or maybe they saw that their mom was being abused or or um, or maybe there's an absentee parent. These are traumatic situations that are ongoing and they're chronic. Mm -hmm. So that's going to affect not only the brain, but it's going to really highly affect the psyche. And over time, does that create more of a of a 
imbalanced brain pattern then if it's absolutely because it's more chronic right right so the pattern that you know neurons that fire together wire together as they say in um, neuroscience community right so the more you fire that pattern of i'm nothing you know psychologically the brain is i mean the brain is following suit to that the body is following suit to that so you know i've worked with clients where they have these you know wow you this person came in and did a few sessions and wow, they're, you know, they're great. And then you have these people with this, like, it's just a long, drawn-out process. Why? Because their trauma was a long, drawn-out process. Mm-hmm. So I always like to use that uh, that frog-in-a-pot syndrome, if you've heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you throw the, the frog in a boiling hot pot of water, and it it jumps out immediately. That's That's a trauma, right? It's too hot. Right. That's that hard trauma. The soft trauma is just gradually putting, you know, put the frog in a, you know, lukewarm temperature and gradually turn the temperature up by one degree, by one degree, till you hit the boiling point, and then you become cooked in a pot. You never knew that the environment was changing because you just kept adapting until you could adapt no more. Mm-hmm. This is what people. This is what that these hospital visits are, these these doctors' visits are stress related illnesses that are the the gradual one degree by one degree by one degree not the i fell off a ladder you know type situation right or cycle somatic long drawn out processes that are really put the body into a state of i can no longer adapt now i have diagnosed with sleep apnea now i'm diagnosed with cancer now i'm diagnosed with uh, fibromyalgia not you know all these different symptoms they didn't just come from anywhere mm-hmm. they've been gradually creeping up on you for a long time but you didn't have the awareness you didn't have the awareness and and, and then a lot in our culture we don't we don't put an emphasis on on uh mental health you know, and that's one of the biggest, that's one of the biggest issues. I mean, we live in a fear-based reality. So imagine going to fight or flight all the time. You know, you turn on the news, somebody getting killed. Well, guess what? Guess what you're going into? Your brain's not saying, oh, that's, that's just TV. No, mm-hmm. it's going into fight or flight or freeze, sense of helplessness. Right. So let's talk a bit about, uh, the you know, the awareness. Because like you said, there's those those one you know, experience fall off ladder, car accident, whatever it may be, and we can bounce back fairly quickly. But those those chronic uh, experiences or uh, events or living situations or whatever it may be, uh, how how can someone become more aware? Because obviously, awareness and and consciousness and being really hyper aware of your environment and what's affecting you internally, so that you can you know, like you said. Uh, change it to a stress response, not a not a stressor. You know, have it be something that you respond to instead of react to. How can someone become more aware of those of that one degree? You know, warming up of the water each day that is really setting them off course. What what would they feel? What would they think? What would they what would that look like in an individual so they can recognize that so they can do something about it? And, and we'll talk more about what they can do and after this uh, this part. Um. observation really just being able to um you can do some subjective scoring on yourself and start to kind of ask questions to yourself you know how, what are what are what are my anxiety levels on a scale from one to ten mm-hmm. you know and kind of put a number to that and or you know and, and sleep you know mo- over the years i have so many so many people come in and say they don't have sleep issues and i would i used to do when i did assessments I ask them, you don't get much sleep, do you? Oh, no, I think I sleep well. Then they do a session and they come back. Oh, my God. I slept so amazing. I'm dreaming. When people say they don't dream, trust me, they have some sleep issues. You're not getting into REM sleep. So that awareness, you know, you you never even knew you had sleep problems Mm -hmm. until you got better sleep. Right. So one of the biggest ways, too, floating. Floating is one of the best observational awareness tools created. 
because now you're in a you're in an environment where there is no stimulus, there's no light, there's no sound. The water is heated to skin temperature, and there's no gravity. So now you're in there with nothing but your body, and you're able to see why am I carrying so much tension in my lower back right now? Why is there so much tension in my my neck? And then two, the mind, because really our our thought processes, we have this bottleneck of thoughts that's not pushing through. And a lot of it is just the same reoccurring thought process. So when you're in there, that's 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 heightened the thoughts. So you're able to observe them then because you go into that meditative state because of the no light, there's no sound. The brain begins to shut down and you're in this meditative state and you can begin looking at those thoughts from the observer role. You can begin observing those thoughts versus being the thoughts. When you're in the outside world, you think you are your thoughts. That's just as crazy as you think you are your computer. All right, your computer is a tool that you use to get a, a task done. Well, your thoughts are a tool to get a task done. But when you're not doing any task, why, what are you thinking about? Why are you thinking? It's a good it's point. A good. <laughs> you know, specifically on things that you know you can't do in that moment. You know, this is where that presence, what we call mindfulness. So the reason why I say floating, I mean... Because it is a meditative tool. So if you can't float, meditation is, is a tool. But most times people have a, if you're so out of balance, you know, meditation is like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not to get, I, you know, if you look at spiritual traditions, just look at Jesus, right? Biblically, you know, when he always talked to uh, people about spiritual matters, what did he do before he even had a conversation with people about that? That's a good question. He he fixed a basic need. They're hungry. Feed them first, then talk. You can sit there and you can talk about health all you want to people, but man, if their basic needs aren't met, then that stuff me is meaningless. A good mm-hmm. night's sleep. I can't, I'm hungry. <laughs> you know? right. So meditation is like that. Meditation is that hey, you need to meditate. Well, look, I'm hungry. And so brain training floating, it feels that hunger. And then, wow, okay, now I can think about meditation because my mind is not distracted on this this huge imbalance that I have, not hungry, but starving. And most people, when your health is so out of balance, it's, you're starving. And it's tough to get to do something like meditation. Mm-hmm. So that's why these, these tools, these technologies, they're like meditation on steroids. They take you there a lot faster. Right. And then now, you know, I've, I've done hundreds of hours of brain training and i've and just recently since we added flotation therapy i've done probably um over 60 hours of floating you yourself have done 60 hours yeah so far i did 33 days straight when i first got the tank up when i first got the float tank up and running i did 33 days straight and did uh, you look did you measure anything during that time, like your brainwave patterns or anything like I, that? I didn't, because at that point in time, I didn't even care. Mm-hmm. You but, know, there's, there's a lot of people who are really interested. I mean, you call it, cause we consider ourselves biohackers, right? I'm the, I'm the biohacker where I, I don't care about actual uh, numbers, per se. I care about how I feel. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's coming, from a, that's coming from that place of not feeling well. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent time not feeling well. So what matters to me most is my subjective experience of how I feel. Right. Because I, I, sometimes I would look at my brain on screen and it would totally be totally opposite of what I was feeling. Some days it would look great, but I felt like crap. Some days it would look bad and I felt good. <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't measure it in that way, but that, I think it is uh, cool when you, uh, it'd be really cool if you can, you know, hook some sensors up and kind of measure that. And there are some people who are starting to do studies in that regard. So I, I think that data is, is cool. It's just for me, you know, I, I just want to make the experience pleasurable, not about, you know, scientific endeavor of, uh, 
Yeah, pursuit of excellence. <laughs> right. Pursuit of uh, data excellence, data-driven right. excellence. <laughs> right. I, I hear you on that, and I can relate to that too. As long as you feel better and you feel like you're improving, because there's so many variables. I mean, you have your emotional body, your you know your mental body, your your physical body. Your you know, there's so many variables that, like you said, your brainwave state looked better, but you weren't feeling as good, or you felt better, and your brainwave state didn't look as good. So. Uh, as long as you're feeling better and you're doing better in your own life, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so you're you're doing brainwave training. Uh, you're you, now you have a float tank, an isolation tank is another name for for everyone listening. If you aren't familiar with that, definitely Google it. And I'm sure in the future I'll, we'll probably I'll uh, we'll record a video or something. I'll put that on YouTube to to show everyone. But um, and then uh, TRE, you touched on that a little bit. What what is TRE and 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 what is there kind of like an order you recommend TRE, trauma release exercises, and floating and the brain training? Is it more kind of get rid of those emotional traumatic things first and try to get that out of the physical body and then train the brain? Or is it simultaneous or, or what exactly? I'd just say start where you are. You know, I, I can't give an order based on, you know, I did it, of course, brain training trauma released and floating but um i just think it, it depends on where you are it depends on what's really going on and when i talk to a person i, I can kind of see wow you're holding a lot of tension in your body you probably need to do some trauma release or float first because it's more body type of thing um because a lot of people too they they see the float float tank and you know there's a apprehension to that or anxiety to that so maybe you need to do some brain training to calm you down before you even do floating mm-hmm. um and you know i'm working with a client who has some addiction issues going on and um you know he started doing some brain training and he did a, a couple float sessions and i asked him well which one do you like more so i like the brain training i said well, why is that Said, you know, with the floating, I think I have to kind of get myself prepared to get into the tank, and I got to really mentally be prepared. And I'm thinking, like, okay, so his mind, the, the issue is his mind, and it's too overwhelming to be with his mind by himself. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the issue. So floating is like, is really kind of heightening that. Right. And so then I told him, well, you know, once you once you do more floating, those thoughts will be like clouds in the sky. All you do is observe them. And eventually, the more you observe them, the more they pass. And then the sky becomes clear. And so that third float he did, he did a third float. And he came out and he was like, he was at that place of the skies were open. And he was so relaxed to the point where he texts me, man, I'm feeling so great. You got his, you got any appointments tomorrow? So he's now he's wanting to come do floating more. Uh, so it's just really starting where you are. Right. Yeah, I had another client doing the kind of same thing. She kind of had the same issues that I had. You know, vomiting. She vomited anywhere fifteen to twenty times in a week. We did three brain training sessions. That's thirty minute sessions, and that was cut down to having two attacks. And then by the time we got to fifth session, this is all in the span of a week. She hasn't had any panic attacks, any any vomiting issues since. Wow. And she did one float session and she came out. She said, ah, the floating was interesting. And, you know, it's hard for me to just do nothing and sit there. And right. the thing is, you know, the floating, you have to you have to let go. And some people aren't at the place where they can let go yet. So sometimes brain training is a lot easier to do because it's in a, you know, you're sitting in a zero gravity chair is not as, you know, as uh, intim- intimidating. Mm-hmm. It also calms you down too to get you to that point, to get you ready for that. Right. And being in a, in a float tank or otherwise known as an isolation tank could be too isolating for someone at their current, yeah. their current state. Absolutely. Um, so these are these are all great therapies. I mean, floating, TRE, brain training. Uh, you know, these are all they, like you said, they can be used together. They can be used. It depends on the person. That's a great answer too, because nothing is a hundred percent. You know. The thing I like about TRE though is that once once it's taught to you, this is a tool you can take with you for the rest of your life, and no one it, you don't need an expert. Mm-hmm. 
it's your body's way of self-regulating. So I do TRE. Sometimes I wake up in the night and I have a thought. I, w- I need to release through TRE, and I'll do TRE just in the bed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I do TRE on my, by myself. You know, a few times uh, a week, just in allowing my body to discharge whatever residual energy I had built up throughout the week from you know stressful events, stuff like that. So, so that's one of those things why I would highly encourage to get into a class, learn it, and then become self proficient in self regulating. Right. Because, again, you know, these great that these technologies are around, but, you know, if you're somewhere and you don't have these technologies, it's great to be able to know that you can do this to, to regulate. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that TRE, also EFT and, and traditional acupressure, you know, also, all those are great forms of uh, regulating uh, self-management. Right. And, and I've practiced EFT and TRE both myself, and personally, I think TRE has a little bit more uh, releasing capability for me, and may, that may not be for everyone, but I just feel like oh, it's... Oh, well, just, you know, we say TRE is a kick-ass way of releasing, you know, it's, it's like really pushing uh, pushing out the body, because you, you got to think about what you're releasing. You're not releasing what you just happened on that day. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> if anybody, you know, if you ever use a, a printer... You've been in an office setting where you printed something and you found that there's something wrong with the printer, you know, so, you know, something, maybe the printer is jammed or whatever, and you have multiple people in the office trying to print. Well, when they fix the printer, your document is not going to come out first. Whoever printed, you know, the last person who printed, the first person who printed his document is going to come out first because it has a print spool, it has an order to it. Well, your body has an order too. So whatever stress or trauma that the body is still stuck in from way back in childhood, you're going to be releasing that versus what you may be thinking you're releasing from this week. Mm-hmm. So that's why you can you have to really do go slow with TRE too. You don't want to flood yourself because you can literally flood yourself with the amount of stuff that comes up. Now, it's not going to hurt you, but it can become very uh, uncomfortable when you have a flood of emotions. Right. Yeah, tension, tension patterns are releasing through your body. So just too much at one time, potentially. Yep. yep. Right. And, and for those of you listening, I will link up the uh, TRE. There's, a, there's actually a book and a DVD uh, that I uh, went through and started learning about TRE. And, and I do, I've done the TRE practice myself, and I highly recommend it. Uh, it's something you can do at home, and it's something that you can do anywhere. I mean, you could do it at an airport if you want to. People would be really confused as to what you were doing, but you know, it's better to be emotionally free and available than to be emotionally enslaved. Uh, so, if you're doing an airport, whatever. Um, so, I, I will link those up below. Uh, I have one final question for you, David, and that question is: What are three uh, tips or pieces of advice, uh, and, and this could be in the mind, body, or spirit realm, if you will? that you would give the listener to live a more healthy, wild, and free life? Well, awareness is number one. You know, gaining, gaining your sense of awareness to know what's happening for you. Um, you ever seen that person on a road, the side of a road, and they have a, a fairly new car, so you know there's nothing wrong with the car, but you see that person walking back with that red gas can in their hand. Yep. <laughs> how, how did that happen? Lack of awareness. The gauges were telling you, it probably kept dinging and dinging and dinging, letting you know, not only did, could you see it, it literally blurted out. You're running low on gas and you ignored it and you ignored it and to the point where you stuck on the side of the road. Don't become that person stuck on the side of the road. That's what those hospital visits are. There's no, there's no shame in going to the hospital, but if you can be aware, you can avoid that. Mm-hmm. So awareness is number one. Two is um, let go. Don't resist your emotions. So that comes with awareness. That's partner with awareness. When you're aware that you're angry, guess what? Be angry. Don't try to resist. No, I'm not angry. No, be angry. Doesn't mean that you have to go and act out your anger. 
but you need to allow your emotions to flow through you. And the more you allow your flow, your emotions to flow through you and have acceptance of those of, of those emotions and and not resist. Again, that's going to help overall, you know, health and just life. And the third thing is just be grateful. You know, when you place your awareness on everything that you're grateful for in your life, it creates you. It, it basically kind of forces you to be present. And the more you're present, the more you have awareness and the more, the less you have resistance. So if you can do those three things, be aware, don't resist, be grateful. You know, the, 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 the health is just going to, it's going to always blossom. And I'll, I'll say that, that a grateful thing too, because as you go through your health journey, if you're on one and you're trying to heal things, oftentimes I'll hear people come into my office and they'll say, they try X, Y, and Z and it didn't work. And so it's like this frustration about something didn't work. Again, I did 20 different healing modalities in seven years, and every one of them affected me in some form or fashion. Whether it was very minute to you know extravagant, they all were uh, very helpful, and I'm grateful for each one of them because every one of them taught me something. Now, I can walk around and be mad and say, well, I spent money on this, and it didn't do anything. You know, that's... That's basically setting yourself up for more, again, frustration. Again, that's resistance. And again, that's an unawareness. <laughs> you know? mm. So it's really like, it really should be be grateful, uh, be aware, and don't resist mm. you know, if there's an order to it. Right. Because they have that flow to it. Mm. But look at them from each way. Mm. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, this was enlightening. Uh, I learned a lot, and I'm sure the listeners will, will get a lot of uh, great information from this as well. Uh, where where can our listeners find you online, and what are some of the resources uh, that, for example, if they want to do brain training or float uh, float tank sessions or things like that, um, where can they find you, and then what would they Google if they want to find something like that local to them? Okay, well, my, my website is neuro, N-E-U-R-O, fit, F-I-T, center.com. And we have, you know, we have flotation, we have brain training, but also too, if you're not local, you can go to, for floating, you can go to flotationlocations.com and you can actually put in your zip code and it'll pull up the closest float place nearest you, nearest you. Again, that's flotation locations. And then for brain training, you can go to zengar.com and you can look up, so that's Z-E-N-G-A-R. Dot com. You can look up uh, a local, uh, you know, practitioner for the brain training. Two TRE same TRE is um, that website is trauma pre trauma prevention dot com. Yeah, trauma prevention dot com. You can look up a local uh, TRE practitioner, and um, there are some people. People who do Skype sessions as well, where you can, you know, if you want to be walked through uh, TRE through Skype, you can do that as well. So those are the three ones. Neurofitcenter.com, Flotation Locations, Zengar.com, and TraumaPrevention.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, man. I'm going to have to uh, get up to uh, your, your center and, and do a float session here in the near future. But you're only 15 miles away at that <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's it's been a while since I've floated, so I, I definitely need to do that. And uh, maybe we'll record a video or something and post well, it online. Sure, too. come on over. We'll do some floating. We'll do some uh, brain training. Let you try the new system as well, and then um, go from there. Cool. Awesome. Well, have a great day, man, and uh, take care. Yep. Thanks for having me. Yep. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.